Hey, everybody, this is Cynthia Barnes with another episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. And today I have the honor of interviewing Maria Bross. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Because I want them to hear from you how awesome you are. What do you no. what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Who do you serve? And and give us the skinny. Oh, my goodness. Wow, you're too kind. But yeah, I mean, my background is is like a lot of other sales managers. I spent seven years outbound selling, working with mostly tech companies, selling into various different industries. And I've made, I did that for about seven years as an individual contributor. And so I transitioned into sales enablement and loved that and really fell in love with sales in that role and worked with a really great team at Boomtown there and did a lot of coaching training. I built an onboarding program from scratch there. And then wow. just recently, a few months ago, I transitioned into my first sales management role. So I have a brand new team right now at a company called Rock Content that I'm really excited about the product and the team that we're building in the US for the first time. And again, it's kind of a build it from scratch type of thing, which is a big challenge, but also really fun. And I'm learning a ton. And that's really a theme, I, I think, in my career of, of what excites me is just learning and growing from a sales perspective and now from a, a leadership management perspective. So yeah, we're having fun there. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the short of it. That's awesome. Let's talk about the transition from individual contributor to female sales leader. What's mm -hmm. the biggest thing you learned about yourself in that process? I think so going in from an individual contributor role, I went into that almost like I had something to prove and, you know, really big expectations for myself. And, you know, I'm kind of like my, my toughest critic. So I went into it being like, I have to be perfect, you know, and I researched and read and, and, you know, tried to learn so much. So I think if I were to go back, I would say to ask for help more and be more collaborative, ask peers and be okay with, hey, you're going to make mistakes and, you know, feel comfortable experimenting. So I think that that would be what I would tell myself, you know, going into a sales name role, building something from scratch. And then also, I'll probably tell myself that the same advice in a year from now after I'm a little bit more comfortable in, in my sales management role, just to have grace with myself and, you know, to compete with myself. So I'm going to ask others for help and, and get their ideas. So. Yes. Have you seen a difference between asking for help, the type of advice you receive from men versus women? You know, I think I, I asked most, mostly women for advice, to be honest. Like I, I reached out proactively to Galen Gourmet like a few weeks ago. Oh, she's amazing. She has, she's amazing. She has so much expertise. Yeah. I have a mentor, Amy, who has given me so much great advice. So I think I really just kind of, I feel more comfortable um, with women. So I've probably just naturally sought out leaders and, and women that I admire and reaching out to them. And I think, you know, they have a lot of empathy when they give me uh, constructive feedback. And yes. I feel like I could be more vulnerable potentially mm -hmm. with other female leaders. I like that. The women in sales community is unlike any community I've ever been in. And we are supportive and we'll go to bat for you and whatever it is that you need. I have a community, a tribe of women in sales. And I know that if I send out a text and say, you know what, I need this, there's always going to be someone in my tribe to say, okay, I got you. Whatever you need, I, Cynthia. 
that's been exactly my experience too, where I was so, I don't know why I was surprised about that, but I, you know, you think of, of women in sales or, or you think of salespeople in general and the stereotype is that we're super competitive, but I've noticed the exact opposite in that, you know, we're all rooting for each other, especially from like an enablement perspective. And like when I was interviewing for this role as a sales manager, I sent over my presentation, like there was probably five women that helped me review things, send me like their ideas, gave me feedback on my presentation. And I was just blown away. Like, and all of this happened behind the scenes too. No one was getting LinkedIn credit or, or shout outs or anything. It was all just out of their goodness of their heart and, and wanting me to shine as, you know, as well as themselves. So I've just, I was, I don't know why I was surprised about that. I guess that's kind of a critical way to look at the world, but I was, I've been very surprised, pleasantly surprised about how open everyone is. And then me getting that, it makes you want to pay it forward and help other mm -hmm. women leaders too, just, just because so many people have gone out of their way to help me. Yes. And I think it has a lot to do with society tries to pit women against each other. Mm -hmm. And I am so fortunate and so grateful that the women in sales community has said, you know what, when we band together, we can accomplish anything because the women that I know, know that when one of us wins, we all win. Right? Yes. 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 So much. So, so much. So, and that's what we try to instill upon others is when one of us wins, we all win. So help another woman up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really does like a pay it, a domino effect of that too, because I mean, I was so surprised. I was, when I was in sales enablement, I remember being brand new. I was an individual contributor. I loved sales. I love podcasts, love reading about, about like the science of sales because I wasn't a natural born seller. That's for sure. I really, really struggled. So I really had to learn it and, and fell in love with it that way. So anyways, going into a sales enablement role, I had to do a lot of research of like, okay, where do I start in building this onboarding program from scratch? I went on to saleshood and just like watched all of their videos, read all of their content. And Siobhan Thatcher was one of like the sales enablement leaders in a lot of those videos. And I'm like, this you know, this woman is, is so successful and, you know, she's, so, she's probably so busy. She's not going to respond back to me. She responded back to my email message within like minutes to, to set up time with me and learn what I'm doing in sales enablement and was just like, it was incredible. It was on Halloween. She, I'll never forget it. And I was like, wow, you know, someone like that's this successful is, is willing to give me their time and their guidance. Yeah. Yes. Just, there's, I could tell you a million stories of women that have gone out of their way to help me. That's a beautiful thing. And I think somebody asked me once, what's the biggest myth that I'd like to debunk about women in sales? And that was it, that we're competitive against each other and that we are backstabbers and all that good stuff. I haven't experienced any of that. There have been instances when I thought that that was going to be the case, but once I put down my preconceived notions and gave someone the benefit of the doubt, they mm -hmm. shocked me. So that changed the lens through which I view women in sales. And then from that point on, I said, you know what, what if I went and saw them as kind, empathetic, giving, rather than assume that they wouldn't be, and the the world changed. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that's how I went into it too. It's like, we would mm -hmm. Dog eat dog. Like I've, you know, I had a lot of defenses up too yeah. at first, but then, you know, once you're showing so much kindness like that, it's, 
it's hard to deny like that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that had a lot to do with, I had always worked in male dominated industries and mm. there was a lot of that dog eat dog. And when you go from that competitive backstabbing type of environment into one that is nurturing and welcoming, and there's a sense of belonging, it feels like home. It really does. I mean, I've been in the cybersecurity industry selling. I was one of two women on the sales team and being a part of like those, those meetings, like those team meetings for the sales organization is, is just so different. And when I went to Boomtown, there's my leader was a woman and our VP of sales and marketing was a very accomplished woman who is a genius. And I still go to her for support and, and guidance today. Cause she's, she's just wonderful, but it was awesome for me to, to see what it was like to, to, you know, have a female leader to look up to and be like, wow, this is possible for me too. And like, they're doing incredible work. So yeah, it's been cool to see, like to be, to really see two drastically different cultures and know what it feels like, of, you know, to see a woman in, in a leadership role. Yes, it's a good thing. And I wish that there were more highlights of the good things that women in sales are doing. So part of this podcast is to highlight those exceptional women like you, Maria, and get the word out. So what would you say to a woman who wants to get into sales, but doesn't have any previous sales experience? I would say to do it, (laughs) to to jump in and do it. But no, I think that sales can be an incredible career for a woman. I would suggest that they seek out training and education. You know, that's, that's everything, right? You don't need, it's like the one incredible career that you can make as much as a surgeon or even more money than that, like without the debt of, you know, going back to school for 10 years. So I think it's Mm. a credible opportunity for women to be, you know, very financially independent and to achieve their dreams reach their financial goals by their own home, all the, whatever is on your, your list to do. So I would 100% recommend it, but also to seek education. And there's so many great programs and great communities for us to join. So I would do that. And then also to, you know, to reach out to peers, like, again, like you were saying, based on your experience and the experience that I have, don't be afraid to, to reach out to me if you want, reach out to um, anyone on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm interested in getting into sales what would you recommend? Like, I don't have a ton of experience yet, but, you know, think that I would be great for these reasons. What what are some books that I could read or different places? Like, I know, for example, Ambition is like a recruiting firm where they offer free training, like a sales academy, almost that you mm-hmm. can graduate from and at, at no cost to the candidate. And the cost for a lot, like those is put on the businesses that, that are, you know, receive their candidates that have gone through this mm-hmm. training. So I would try to find a company like that, that puts out great free sales training and get your foot in the door that way. Cause a lot of us, like I'm, I didn't major in sales. So most of us had to learn from really great thought leaders like yourself, Cynthia, or the books that, that are being produced out there or communities or just reaching out on LinkedIn. So that would be my recommendation and and to go ahead and do it and, and give it a try because it can be very, very rewarding from a financial standpoint, but also fulfilling from a standpoint of, you know, solving really complex challenges and, you know, making great commission checks. Yes. Big commission checks. Huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had just mentioned books. What are you currently mm-hmm. reading? 
So I would, so I have a few things. I keep a few books that are like fundamental on my desk. The last book that I read that I really loved was Challenger Customer. Just because I was walking into a role that was a little bit more of a complex sale that I'm used to at Rock Content. It's a little bit longer with more decision makers. And I think that that book is is really helpful to help understand how to manage a more complex sales process with multiple decision makers and build a consensus among a group. So I thought that that was really interesting. But I've really been just listening to a lot of podcasts, like while I walk my dog, while I'm doing my chores on the weekend, whatever it is, I've, I've found that, that that's been a really great way for me to fit in my learning and development with 30 Minutes to President's Club is another really great podcast that I like that's like very tactical advice for mm-hmm. salespeople. So that's that's a great one too. The Andy Paul Sales Enablement Podcast. But yeah, I think I've, I've turned into more of like a podcast person over the years just okay. because... I can listen to it while I'm I'm doing I'm active and walking my dogs or doing other things. But um yeah, Challenger Customer is a really great book for people with more of a complex sale problem prospecting by Richard Smith. I think mm-hmm. I, I gifted it to my whole sales team in my last role. I thought it gave some really great tactical advice as well. And I'm excited to read your book. I downloaded the first chapter of it last night. And oh. I'm really excited to warrior women that really like caught my eye. I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is exactly what I need being a new sales leader. So I'm excited to read that book as well. Great. Have you read any other books by women in sales? My gosh, Cynthia, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I haven't. I haven't. If you could make some recommendations or other than your book that I'm about to read. I read the first chapter last night. I'm really sad to say I, I don't have any women author sales books. I'd be interested. You mentioned a lot of great authors and I'd be interested to get your take. Once you've read a book on sales written by a woman, mm-hmm. what the differences and similarities you find. So that may be a follow-up conversation after you've had a chance to take some of those in. Like there's Colleen Stanley has a book on sales and emotional intelligence or emotional EQ, your EQ quotient. I know that Lori Richardson has a book that's out. Trish Bertuzzi has one called the SDR Playbook. So there are tons of books on sales written by women that if you ever get a chance, pick them up. Oh, I will for sure. Lori and Trish are definitely leaders that I learned from on LinkedIn and I love their content. So I'll definitely, I've got, yeah, I'll definitely pick up those books. Yes, I think that it would be a nice addition to your robust collection already. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. You're welcome. So you mentioned becoming a first-time mother. Mm. I'm so excited for you. Yes. Thank you. Do you have any reservations or nervousness about how you're going to handle work and motherhood? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But I think that I would... And as a first time mother in any job that I was in, or even if I, my job was to be a stay at home mother housemaker, like, and that was my number one job, I think I would have just because it's a new experience and I want to do a good job. And like I said earlier, like I'm my own toughest critic. So I'm going to probably be tough on myself in that role as well. But of course I do. But I think that you know, right now I'm trying to do as much planning and research as I can to be a mother and like think about how I can balance my schedule and time block 
and really get into even more of a routine so that I can, I can predict, you know, and be focused on my efforts, ensuring that I'm balancing time between my child, which is really important for me to, you know, to, to develop and ensure that they're a good human. And then also (laughs) ensure that my team is producing and has everything that they need and feel supported. Yes. I was speaking to a young lady that we were talking about those sales myths and she said it is sacrilege and almost just disrespectful when people say that women can't be mothers and sales leaders at the same time. She said that, I won't tell you what she said, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that because I think it's malarkey, but what do you think? Do you allow curse words on your podcast? Cynthia. I do. I want you to show up authentically you, Maria. No, I'll be good with that. But no, I, you know, and I was warned, I was warned going into a sales management role. And I think from a, I think from a genuine good place, are you sure? Like, don't you want to have, and I took this role not knowing that I actually was pregnant. I found out about three weeks into this role, right? It was very, very soon. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is a lot. I'm an exciting and all great news. I was, I was really happy, obviously. And, but yeah, I, my friends and family and my support system all knew that it was really important for me to start a family and to become a mother. And I was warned about it. I was like, they're like, are you sure you really want to go into a stressful role like being a sales manager and have a quota and take that on and also take on being a mother at the same time? Do you think you're going to be okay with that? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to do great. I'm going to work as hard as I can and put all my effort into it. And it's going to be awesome and really fulfilling and rewarding. Like to me, I feel like life is, and now we're getting like philosophical, like, what do I know? I'm just, I'm a young, young woman. But to me, it's like, I want a meaningful life. I want to make an impact in the world. And, you know, that's not an easy life. Like that, no one promises you those things will be easy. So I don't think it will be easy at all, but I do think that being a mother and being a sales leader at the same time will be very fulfilling, will be tough work, and also hopefully will help me become a better leader because of it, more understanding and empathetic leader, especially as I recruit more women for my team and understand their circumstances. Absolutely. I think a lot of people think that women are Fabergé eggs and that we are so delicate and we can't handle anything. On the flip side of that, I know and have encountered thousands of women that when you put them in hot water, they don't soften like a carrot in hot water. They don't harden and get a tough shell like an egg. When you put women in hot water, they're more like the coffee bean and they change the water instead of letting the water change them. And that's how tough we are. We can handle anything. You know what they say, want something done, give it to a busy woman. And I can't think of anyone busier than a woman who has children, who is a sales leader, who is a wife. That's busy. That's busy. That we rise to the challenge. I've seen it. I've seen it in my family, with my friends. So yeah, I'm excited for the challenge. And I completely, completely agree with you. It's almost, I know that the conversation that I had you know, with a few of these other folks in my network, like it was coming from a good place. But at the same time, I was, I was kind of shocked because that would never be said to a male leader of like, oh, you're going to have a family soon. Are you sure? I've actually seen it where men have gotten 
promotions or they've, you know, gotten different roles. And it's like, well, they're going to try even harder because now they have a family to support. And like they, you know, they've got the debt now or they, you know, they have this, this family. And it's like, for me and my family, it's just as much my responsibility to support the family that we're building. I'm building with my husband. So that's going to even impact, like motivate me to work even harder for those reasons. I want to give them, you know, all the opportunity in the world. Absolutely. I love that. That's totally selfless. I love that. Oh, thank you. So we know that sales is an on the go rush, rush, rush. You're always on. There's always something to do. How do you separate the work from your home life? Because if you bring work home, I'm sure there's someone at home would say, you know what? I wish you could separate that a little. If you figure that out, Cynthia, let me know how that goes. I could, (laughs) I I wish I had had better answers for you and I could really probably improve in that myself just because I love what we do. And I I think in, in, especially in the pandemic, being home now, all working from home, sales has kind of become my hobby. You know, I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm reading and I, I don't think that it's necessarily a good thing. I still, you know, exercise and go do things, but it's one of my like main interests to like learn about what people are doing and to hear from my peers and things. So I definitely could do a better job at that. I think, you know, I've heard a few things like, you know, keeping your office in one room and then closing the door. And I've actually heard about people too, who are working from home that like take a lap in their car around the neighborhood for like a commute so that they can, you know, feel kind of the <laughs> That does sound a little bit silly, but I haven't done it myself. I've heard of people doing that, but I haven't figured that out. I, you know, and I will, I will for sure have to, and I'd ha- I'll have to be more disciplined to get on a better schedule, especially when I have a little one so that I can really prioritize that time with them and my, my family. But yeah, it's been hard, especially working from home in the pandemic and, and all the changes. What have you, do you have any ideas for that? Or what do you do? Because you're I constantly have, on the move. You've got, I know you just came <laughs> off of a, uh, like a webinar right before this call. So how do you balance it all? Like you're a superwoman. Thank you for that. I have a timer and an alarm on my phone at 7 p.m. that says do nothing. Because like you, I am passionate about sales. I want to get better. I'm constantly reading. I have a stack of books and I read 15 minutes in each book every single day because I want to learn. I want to be better and faster and more Mm -hmm. efficient. I love what I do. I love the impact that we have on other people's lives. So to turn off a passion is hard. Yeah. It is so challenging. I also realize that there are other people who deserve part of me too. Mm-hmm. So I have that discipline comes in that at 7 p.m. it's family time. It's yeah. do nothing time. So whether yeah. I'm going for a walk with my brand new puppy or I'm spending time with my husband, it's turn it off so that I can recharge so that I can get up at 4 a.m. the next day and hit it running. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. the, the recharging is so important for us so that we can really be our best selves during those hours that we are going to be spending working. So I can definitely do a better job of that. What kind of puppy did you get? You're not going to believe this. So I asked the lady, I said, well, she's a rescue. And mm-hmm. I said, what kind of dog is it? And she said, it's a Labrador. And I said, what? 
Exactly. Exactly. That same question, that same tilt of the head kind of, huh? Elaborable. And she said, they're also known as a pitador. And I said, oh, huh? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes. And she Just said, I will. She's beautiful. She is a Labrador. She's a blonde Labrador pit mix. And I said, so oh. she's a mutt. She's a mutt. And she said, no, we prefer to call her a Labrador or yeah, I said, or a Labrador or something. And I said, is that like a Labradoodle? And she said, exactly. And I said, mm. <laughs> she is the cutest thing ever. I will send oh, you a picture. Please do. I'm a bit dog obsessed. I hear that once the baby comes that like dogs will start to actually be dogs and not my, like, I, I won't treat them like my children anymore, but I, I think it's doubtful. Yeah, I doubtful, doubtful, because those of us who are animal lovers, we cuddle and we 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 baby them and, you know, we're nurturers. Women yeah. are nurturers. So you're not going to stop just because you have a baby. No, no not at all. No. So you're having a son or a daughter? A son. A son. Okay. What do you want to instill in him of all the things that you've learned? What do you want to instill in him that he takes with him as he becomes one of those high functioning adults that contribute to the world? Wow. That's, that's deep, Cynthia. I need to think about these things. I think just overall, I mean, I'm lucky to have had the parents that I have and, and what they sacrificed for me. So I definitely want to instill hard work and vulnerability and acceptance and, and love for his neighbor. And yeah, I, I want him to have purpose and an impact on the world. I think that's one thing when I think about my parents, you know, like I was very, very close to my dad who passed away two years ago. And I try to think about one way that I'm like, I think moving, not moving on, but like maybe moving forward and dealing with some of the grief is knowing oh, wow, like I can have, I can make an impact on the world in his name or do good works yes. in his name. And like, he can kind of live on through me and mm -hmm. I can try to be a better person because of that and to make him proud, you know, hopefully in heaven. And so when I have a child myself, I, I think I, I want them to make an impact on the world as well. And I want them to feel that same sort of drive that I feel to make my dad proud and to do good works in his name in that sort of way. And that's kind of, wordy but I don't know I, I want them to hopefully just you know make an impact find purpose and meaning know what it takes what hard work and what that takes and then also just treat everyone around them with love and respect and, and kindness that they deserve if I were able to get a hotline up to heaven <laughs> and if I were to able to ask your dad what made him the proudest about the woman that you are what do you think he would say Oh man, I don't know. I think oh, Cynthia, you're getting a nerve here. I don't know. I think just like my drive to like give back to the world and to to help other people and and to lift others up. I, I would say. I mean, and I hope that he would have seen that as well and like what I saw in him and like what he taught me through his actions. So. I would hope that he sees that. And yeah, and that's what I try to do with, with other, with women on my team and then, you know, other women in, in the community with my sisters, my friends, but uh, yeah, hopefully he sees that. I'm sure he does. Cause thank I see you. it and he is oh, much closer. You, he was most clo much closer than I am, but I see that. I see oh, that. You're sweet. 
I can tell that you're one of those women that we talk about when we say, as you aspire to reach the top, you must reach back to help someone else. Because if you reach up without reaching back, then it stops with you. And you never want to be the type of person that takes your gifts, your talents with you when you pass on. For sure. I mean, I have so much to learn. I mean, I'm not by any means an expert in sales or in leadership. I'm just starting and and learning myself, especially since it changes so much too over the years. But I, that's what I love so much about my role right now. Like I met this morning with a BDR on my team and also um, an AE on my team. And we were talking about cold calling and and prospecting and just kind of like fine tuning our messaging and stuff. And that's, that's like what really makes me feel like so fulfilled is having someone who's super ambitious, like the two of the the reps there and, you know, having them open to feedback and, you know, working super hard and, and wanting to learn and grow and then being able to pass along expertise, like women like you and, you know, Trish and my mentor, Amy, and like other women have taught me and, and sort of like pass that down. Like I'll notice too, like, especially with my mentor, Amy, like, we'll we'll meet, she'll give me feedback. Like she, for example, she taught me how to prepare for my sales management presentation and like the research to do beforehand and stuff. No one taught me how to do that. They, they should teach Mm -hmm. you how to do that in college because I, I didn't learn how to do it that way. And it was so, it's such a valuable session I had with her. And then now I'm like, wow, she like Miyagi'd me because now I'll, I'll, you know, in one-on-ones or like that session today, I'm able to take what she taught me and it kind of solidifies her teachings for me when I have to explain it to them and then yes. also passes that knowledge on further. So yeah, that's been really exciting for me. And it also is, is fulfilling because I'm, I want to instill in them a love of sales and mm-hmm. And just sort of the empowerment and the freedom that that sales can bring us financially and yeah, and overall. So that is amazing that they say that when we are learning something, if we know that we have to teach someone else, we learn it better. So and, by and that's by, the case, I'm taking notes because I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to teach the, my team this because this is new for yes. me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So with BDRs, they make a lot of phone calls trying to set appointments or whatever the objective is. And sometimes they're given a script. Mm -hmm. Have you found that the typical script is good, but if it were to be adapted for the individual's personality, it would be better? What do you think about that? Yes, I agree. (laughs) I agree. I think that I love scripts. Like I said earlier, when I was a sales rep, I struggled. I struggled in the beginning, especially, and I didn't seek help. I didn't ask my manager, hey, you know, can you listen to this call? Or what do you think about this? And I should have done that from the beginning and I didn't. So I thought either you're a great salesperson or you're not. And so I've, I've had to learn it and practice over and over and over what I'm going to say to like build the confidence to pick up the phone and make the cold calls, right? So scripts have been really important in in my confidence to pick up the phone, but I've also used them when I was a BDR myself in in a crutch. And I think I've probably sounded robotic and like I was reading mm. before. And, and so I see a lot of benefits 
in scripts just so that mm-hmm. you can do your research, you can plan out what you're going to be saying, you can get some confidence before you pick up the phone. But also, you have to be able to be flexible and dynamic in the conversation because you don't have control over what the other person is going to say. So I think the best thing that we could do, and again, to their style too, right? Like I've, mm-hmm. I've looked at top sales reps and I'm like, oh, I've listened to their calls and I'd be like, okay, great. I have to say the same things that they say. And I tried to say it myself and I'm like, why isn't this working for me? And, and it's because when it, when it hasn't worked for me, it's been because it doesn't fit my style. It doesn't feel natural. We had, we had a top performer when I was a rep once who was like, pretty sarcastic and monotone but he like he knew so much and he had so much value to bring on the phone but his personality was just very very different from mine and I tried to like push down my emotion and you know just my inflection and my voices and stuff to sound more like him because I'm like oh this is what works I need to be more like this guy and I did even worse it was it was bad so I think the the best thing that we could do yes definitely plan out what you're going to say especially like your intro you should be really confident in introducing yourself and maybe acknowledging that it's an interruption and you know there's lots of different ways of going about it and then getting quickly to the reason for the call but the reason for the call might be different for hopefully everybody that you're speaking to based on the research that you're doing and the insights that you can bring to the conversation. So I think we can script out, you know, the the intro. And then from there, you know, it has to be a little bit more dynamic because the conversation can go in a few different directions. Right, right. If we have a whole list of questions and we start peppering questions, it sounds like an interview and an interrogation oh, yeah. rather than a conversation. And I think I've that women that. are so... Yeah, me too. Me too. With that, with the scripts that were given to me, once I tried to make my prospect my friend and get to know them like I would my best friend, everything changed. It became a conversation. Yes, I had my intro and it was strong and my intention. And then I just let the conversation go. I did my needs analysis. What if we were to to tell reps, here's the goal. The objective mm-hmm. is to get the appointment, for example, and then ask them, what questions do you think you should ask to get that appointment? What yeah. questions do you think you should ask to find out what their needs are? What questions do you think that you should ask with your personality and you being authentic to find out whether or not they are the decision maker or to qualify them? What That's if we were to, empower, yeah, what if, what if we were to empower our reps because we hired them because we trust them, right? We have to trust them. Yes. We have to trust them enough to give them the goal and then let them make up the questions. Yeah. I'm with you 100% because that's teaching them how to think about the conversation instead of just telling them what to say. Like, we're not robots, right? A value of of salesperson is, is in the questions that we ask, our ability to think on our feet, and the empathy that we can provide, the personalization in the conversation. And yeah, so I completely agree with you. I, I think that there's both science and an art to sales. And I think if yeah. we're telling them exactly what to say, we're kind of like manufacturing the the whole process. And it needs to be more human. It needs to be more human and that that the results will be better from that, Cynthia, mm-hmm. I, I feel. And then also they're going to fall in love with sales in that process yeah. because the art, I mean, in my opinion, the art part of it is, is the fun part of sales and what helps you to be like, wow, I love what I do. 
Yes. And when you can bring your own personality and your own nuance to a process, you own that process rather than I show up for work and I use a script and then I go home. I made my 125 calls. I got six appointments. I'm done. But if you can take ownership of that process, you may make only 12 calls a day. But what if you got 12 appointments? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I like quotas. I like results better. And when we empower our team to say, Mr. Manager or Miss Manager, if I'm able to increase my close ratio or appointment ratio, do you mind if I try some different tactics and we give them that freedom and flexibility? I think magical things can happen. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, that's the environment and the culture that I want to create on my team. One of the reasons I got into wanting to to manage a team too, because the experimentation is so fun, right? To test out what's working and, um, and having that ability to do that as a rep instead of just like what your, you know, what your manager says and you have to do it this way. Maria, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful pleasure getting to know you. And I am super proud to to be your newest friend. Congratulations on your son. Congratulations on your new role. You are the epitome of women in sales making it happen. And I am so proud of you. This is Cynthia Barnes with another episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. Talk to you soon.